Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Friends, Philadelphians, countrymen, we come here not today to praise the Flyers, but to bury the Flyers for losing to the goddamn Buffalo Sabres for the first time in 18 games. That's right. The Buffalo Sabres had not won in over a month, but the Philadelphia Flyers said, no, no, please take your win from us. Good Lord, these this team drives me insane. Welcome to Fly Purpley. I'm Steve Jacot. Joining me tonight is my co-host, First time, long time, Eamon Smith. How you doing tonight, man? Fuck this team. <laughs> I mean, I was on the recap for this game, and I had to watch every agonizing minute of it. I couldn't switch it off. I couldn't look away. So I'm I'm not doing great, Steve. I won't I won't lie to you. I'm happy to be on the show. Um, long time listener, first time, long time. But uh, I I never imagined that it would come under these dire circumstances that we're in yeah, currently. You make your Broad Street Hockey podcast debut after, I would say, the low point of the season. I mean, on brand for me at this point, right? <laughs> I can't blame you for this. I cannot in any way blame you or any human being that is not a Philadelphia Flyer for the play of this team of late. I mean, it's just... Ever since this team got back from their COVID outbreak, it's just get been it's been getting progressively worse and worse, and it, it, I really feel like this is the culmination tonight because I mean they they almost blew that game earlier in the week. They were lucky to get away with the two points, and then tonight they just they weren't in this game ever. They lost six to one to the worst team in the NHL by a considerable margin. Yeah, I mean, there was like a brief period in the second period where I was like, all right, they're controlling play. Um, they're not like scoring off of it. They got the one really fluky Ivan Provorov goal, uh, which at that point I was like, all right, screw it. I'll take it because uh, Braun gave up the oh, own God. goal to kick oh, off the God. game. So bad. At the but uh, and throughout the game, no, nobody was good in this game. Oh, my but God. Braun really stood out at the beginning of the game. And Gustafson throughout the, the remainder of the game. Not that we expected anything less from him, but my God, was Eric Gustafson bad in this game. I mean, if you like think that Flyers fans are suffering during all of this, which all of us are, right? Uh, imagine being somebody who's used to a high standard of defense because I'm a Predators fan too. And I've watched that team for pretty much as long as this team. Um, 
and seen a lot more of them live and in person. And I go from them to the Flyers uh, over the past decade from like Ryan Ellis, P.K. Subban, Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm to Nick Grossman. I think I'd take Nick <laughs> Eric Gustafson. Eric Gustafson or some of these guys that like it's. I mean, honestly, at this point, <laughs> if we're the 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 wall of terrible Flyers defensemen of the Claude Giroux era has got to be as large as the Vietnam Memorial. <laughs> like that's how bad it's getting. That's where we're That's at. That's a good pull right there. I, it's really bad. I mean, this is a theme I've I've brought up the past few weeks with with Kurt, with Kelly, with Bill, talking about just how this defense was supposed to be the culmination. The second time I've used culmination already, but this was supposed to be the culmination of all the planning that Ron Hextall did. You know, all the guys he drafted and brought up. And you had Provorov, you had Sanheim, you had Myers, you had Gostaspare, some really good bodies in there, and. It was supposed to be the the step. This is the, the time where they step up and the defense is good after the Nick Schultzes, the Andrew McDonald's, the Nick Grossmans, all those terrible defensemen. And this defense is actually playing worse than those awful defenses. Yeah, it's pretty stunning, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, just across the board, this team is maybe, I, I don't want to say they're the worst Flyers team that I've watched because that's not really true, but like they're up there. And they're definitely the most disappointing Flyers team that I've watched besides like maybe 2018 because you remember everybody got all gassed up. We signed JVR. Uh, Hexy's oh, yeah. like, we're going to take the next step. All the kids had like a good year prior to that and everybody was real excited. And then eight goalies, y'all know the rest. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, it's it's just, I've, I, I've got to come out and say something. Um, that I've been very uncomfortable with airing for a long time because if I did, the fan base would have chopped my head off. I've never been that big of an Ivan Provorov fan. Um, I always oh, wow. saw the physical traits out there, and I was like, this dude can skate for years and just not get tired. He's a horse, and he has a good shot, good hands, whatever. But I don't know. Just the the comparison between, like, him and the guys that I watch in Nashville where everybody was like going Provorov's going to be a Norris caliber defenseman and I was like ah, I don't know um because just just comparing him to like let's say young Matthias Ekholm or young Ryan Ellis he was younger than both of them but he also didn't flash the same like consistency or play driving qualities that those two ever did and I don't know he just seems to be proving that he really really needs a really quality partner in order to be a quality defenseman at this point in his career like he's fine he eats a lot of minutes but the Flyers like desperately needed him to be a number one defenseman he hasn't panned out and then now we have the disaster of Phil Myers is a mess Travis Sanheim is a mess and uh everybody just kind of sucks I'm so disappointed in just how bad Sanheim and Myers have been there. Because last year in the playoffs, I, I think we we all thought that Sanheim and Myers were really stepping up into a nice, solid second pairing. And, I mean, it can't all be the loss of Matt Niskanen on that top pairing. It can't be. But that certainly plays a role, and they're just, they're just a mess from top to bottom. And, unfortunately, Ivan Provorov is not a Chris Pronger who's going to elevate whoever's next to him no matter what. He really does need a solid a solid partner over there. And I mean, even I'd even take a chemo at this point. And believe me, I loved chemo but 
Kimo Timonen was ideally like your your one B defenseman, right? He yeah, yeah. Really shouldn't have been the one A. He was in his best role where you had Chris Pronger as the one A and Kimo uh, Timonen as the one B. But man, I would take Kimo uh, Timonen at least would elevate whoever is next to him as well. And I would take so many guys right now. This defense is a mess. The goaltending's a mess. The goaltending's just abysmal. And it's obviously not getting any help. The the forwards aren't helping. I mean, they, you can't score on the Buffalo Sabres. The Buffalo Sabres are just a terrible hockey team. And you can't score on them? Get me a break, guys. I mean, hey, we have the savior net and Alex Lyon, baby. <laughs> He's redeeming Woof. the whole season. Uh, I mean, he definitely looked Man. better than uh, Carter Hart has this whole year, pretty much. So uh, yeah, take Carter that for Hart's what you will. Carter Hart's terrible, and I, I, I will try to take nothing from that, and we'll talk about that more <laughs> later on. But, I mean, he looked better than that, and Brian Elliott was not having a good game when he got pulled. And I, I look like an idiot for <laughs> putting Brian Elliott in at the last second in one of my fantasy hockey leagues. I was like, let's, let's sneak Elliott in. It should work out great. Never, never have no, faith it, in it the didn't... Flyers in a clutch situation, Steve. No, no, no. I, I have learned that lesson time and time again. I guess the mistake was ever having trust in the Flyers for anything. I, I, I just, I'm stunned at how, I thought they were going to lose this game, right? Like I, after how they played earlier in the week, after some of the decisions they've made, I mean, they scratched Patrick and Limblom for this game. And granted, those guys, they probably should be scratched more often considering they were both and this isn't a play issue, although you can really argue with Patrick in particular that it could be attributed to play. But considering the fact that those guys, I mean, Patrick hadn't played in over a year. Lindblom had um, his his issues last year, unfortunately, his health issues. And you would think these guys would need more frequent breaks. And I'm surprised they haven't done that to this point. So they did need a break, but like that didn't help the situation. And then the whole Gostas bear debacle if you want to get into that did not help matters either with the got Shane Gostasir being put on waivers yesterday and clearing today and then being put on the taxi squad in favor of everyone's favorite Eric Gustafson for tonight's game yeah uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about that for a second because uh I, I don't know about you but I don't think that the best strategy to winning games especially like a do or die game um I guess I guess you could call like basically every game this past month a do or die game, pretty much. But I mean, what I've called this is a taking care of business game because this is clearly a bottom feeding team you're playing, and this is a very good division. So there's not that many bottom feeders here. There's the Devils, the Sabers, what used to be the Rangers, but apparently aren't anymore. Those were the teams you needed to get two points against every time, and this was a game where they they needed to get four points against the Sabers this week, and only getting two is a complete and utter failure. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> Like let's let's talk through this decision making really quickly here because the only justification for waving Goss to spare, like it happened a day or two ago, uh, I guess yesterday really, uh, as we record this on Wednesday night, is that they were trying to clear room uh, to make a big move with waving his contract and hoping that somebody was going to pick him up. I I thought if anybody was going to pick him up, it would be Florida. Uh, with the loss of Ekblad recently to that really awful injury, and they obviously have a need on defense, but that didn't happen. And then that ended up leaving the team shorthanded tonight without arguably their second best defenseman on the season in a game where they had to get two points. Uh, maybe maybe that doesn't seem like that good of an idea in retrospect. I don't know about you, uh, but I, I'd say that that wasn't the best decision. I, I don't think that Ghost has been like good this year per se, but he's been fine. Um, 
he's he's a guy who his play has been ideally that of like a fourth or fifth dude on a cup contender and instead he's having to be played in a first or second pair role um and he's been all right at handling that he's the only dude on this entire team who can walk the line on the power play without coughing up the puck every single time <coughs> Ivan Provorov I, I oh my god Provorov on the power play is so unbelievably bad and you know, last year you had the justification that he scored a lot of goals, but, like, I was looking at him tonight, and I just like, why do they continue to do this? Especially, if you're going to scratch Ghost for Eric Gustafson, Gustafson does one thing well, and that's offensive defense defensive play. So, why not make him the power play quarterback if he's going to be in the lineup? I mean, because he sucks. That's, like, the bottom line. Well, he does line. suck, but... He's he not even that score. He's not even that good on the power play. Like, he's not even that good on the power play. I just... Or if we're if we're referring to Gustafson here, but like Provorov, yeah, yeah. I think Ghost is legitimately good on the power play. Yeah, Ghost and... is good at that. Like he's he's not been awesome at five v five this year. There have been a couple of times where guys have just absolutely walked him by going wide with speed, and you can tell that the knee surgeries have caused him to lose a bit of a step. He's never had the best long speed, anyways. But like, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a galaxy brain ass move to take your second best defenseman out of the lineup when your team is horrific defensively and then go, yeah, uh, we just thought that this would give us some flexibility. Like, no, just come out with it and say, we were trying to get somebody suckered into taking his contract because we're okay with parting with him and we want to make a big move and that would give us like $7 million in cap space. I mean, obviously the team can't say that because then nobody would pick him up, but whatever, like... That's that's the whole justification behind it, and it might have ended up just straight up costing them a game. Um, and I just don't understand the justification anymore behind, oh, like, Ivan Provorov is a good power play player. He, The one thing that you could say last year about him was that his, his Fenwick on the power play was good comparative to, like, a lot of the other defensemen on the team, which means a lot of his shots were making it through traffic. And this year it's not, um, and he's just kind of getting shots blocked and causing turnovers um and just generally being awful and and like just taking ghost off the top unit when they're already struggling offensively and he's he's again how how bad is it that in the year of our lord 2020 uh, or 2021 geez that tells you where my concept of time is shane goss <laughs> might be the most consistently okay defensive player on the whole blue line besides ivan provorov like, that's sad. That is sad, and it's just funny in a way, too, because he's obviously the guy who, I'd say he's the biggest lightning rod on this defense for, for criticism. People certainly will flock to him first to really point out when the Flyers are having defensive issues. Uh, I thought this stat was interesting from uh, Jordan Hall, where he had tweeted before the game tonight, goal leaders amongst NHL defensemen since February 24th. Uh, Darnell Nurse was, fir- uh, was first, and Ekholm and Gostisbehere, uh, along with uh, Jeff Petri, uh, Chitron, and uh, Ekblad, all had five. So Gostisbehere is obviously producing on offense, and if we look back to the Rangers game over the weekend, uh, Gostisbehere had a key assist in that game on the team's first goal, where he stopped the puck and fired it on net and actually got it through the wickets and uh i believe that was a nolan patrick goal right yeah yeah you're correct i think yeah a rare a rare nolan patrick sighting nolan patrick in the wild it was it was a heartwarming moment and then followed up uh just a few days later with this this ridiculous waving idea i mean it's just weird that you have a game like that where goss despair and uh sam morin are the heroes and we'll get to 
Morin's goal in the Morin Mafia very shortly, <laughs> but you just had a couple days ago where they were the guys producing, and one of the reasons the Flyers won that game to Gostas Bear being put on waivers and being uh, just a guy that they're they're willing to lose for absolutely nothing. It's it's ridiculous, and I I have to wonder, as a lot of people have wondered, if some of that has to do with the, with the fact that Gostas Bear has been fairly outspoken lately as to the the team of the play or the play of the team rather uh, i'm gonna have to defer to uh charlie on this one he talked about this <laughs> in the slack earlier um i mean i i have like one or two people that i talk to that work for the team um that i've just like reached out to and asked about what the hell is going on right now and they didn't think anything of it they were like i think it's just a cap move and I, I'm, I mean, they're not like perfect insider information all the time or whatever, but I think Charlie is the exact same way where he's definitely much more plugged into the team than I am and had the same response where he was like, I think this is just purely a cap move. I don't think it's connected to the comments at all. Cause like, especially the Carter Hart thing where he basically like AV came out. We'll talk about this later, but like AV said some stuff about Hart and then Goss Bear was like, yeah, like we support Hart even if he's struggling or whatever. And then people like blew that out of proportion and were like, oh, the Flyers are like sending Goss Despair to the shadow realm because he's not <laughs> he's not critical of Carter Hart. And I'm like, I don't think that saying something that, at all. that innocuous <laughs> would like cause them to wave him. That would be pretty that would be pretty stupid. Well and also to say a guy that has a to say a guy who has a four plus GAA isn't struggling is just a bald faced lie. Yeah, like I mean He's like, we're going to support him. He's not having a good time right now, but whatever. Like, he's our goalie. No, that's a, that's a perfectly innocuous, fine comment to make. I mean, my my, what I'm confused about with this move is, okay, you could say it's for cap reasons, but Eric Gustafson has a very similar cap hit. It's only, is it a million separating them? So why not Gustafson? Gustafson's clearly a worse player overall. Uh, I guess the rationale was that... <laughs> Ghost has an extra year on his contract. Like, that's the only reason I can think of. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, uh, the gap in quality of play is just so monumental. Eric Gustafson might be the worst defensive defense, like, defenseman in terms of actual defense in the entire NHL. I would legitimately take Andrew McDonald starfishing around the crease over whatever laissez-faire defense eric gustafson's putting out there every night oh absolutely well every night whenever <laughs> he plays every other week i don't i don't think you can call what he's doing defense like i could go out there and do what he's doing in his own zone it's a lot of standing around you don't have to be that good of a skater to do that like i i could get paid three million dollars to stand and watch a game and gently brush up against people for like you know 15 minutes a night or whatever uh, hire me flyers i'll do that for you i mean you seem to love that you didn't wave him uh but yeah i i guess the the reason is just gustafson has an expiring contract and they're like all right we're done with his bullshit in the off season he's gone no need to worry about that he'll free up cap space maybe we can get somebody to take ghost and then we can make a longer term impact move without worrying about the cap implications but i don't know man it's just i'm i'm so fed up with Gus at this point like I just I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too mad if they just sent him to hell and let him rot there like <laughs> put him on the taxi squad put him in the AHL put him in the ECHL whatever I'm in for that whatever it takes I mean I would trade him for a big gulp at this point 
I, he is just, I don't know what he's bringing to the game. I can't understand. And then again, I look at some of the other guys they put in there and I, I guess I can understand. I don't know. He's a disaster defensively. Prosser had the one nice game, but then he had, I will never get over that. I believe it was the Islanders game that oh, yeah. he played in where he just, he just handed the puck to them. Like, here you go. Take it. Go take a shot on my goalie, please. I've, I've never seen a guy who like clearly just isn't able to play at the NHL level and, and still continues to like admirably truck on as hard as Nate Prosser does. Like credit to him. The dude's trying out there. You can tell. Oh, he's all hard. It's just, it's just that he's terrible. Like he can't, he can't do anything about that. Obviously by like normal human standards, he's a good hockey player, but he wasn't even a it's good like AHL Rudy player. Out there. Like he's not it's even like watching Rudy. He's not even a You're good like, oh, AHL Rudy player. Rudy can't play football, but I I love seeing him on the field. Yeah, like look at look at this happy little goofball. He he got a sack by being off sides. How wonderful for him. <laughs> That's like the Nate Prosser goal. Like as soon as that happened, my immediate thought was, you remember the time uh, where Yori Laterra scored, and then he was like, yeah, I basically just closed my eyes. <laughs> that's oh, yeah. that's kind of the same vibe i had and i was like oh man this coaching staff is gonna slobber all over him because he's gonna be a great glue guy in the locker room like this is if chris stewart had like one good game they they would have just stuck with him like that that's like the thing that's really bugging me this season is like last year we were talking about a lot how oh like there's hope with this regime because if something's not working they change it right and that happened with the bottom six. They brought in NAK, and he was really good. Uh, by the way, establishing member of the NAKGB on the podcast here. Hell yeah. Working on shirts for that, by the way, folks. Let's Church go. Shirts should be out soon. I'm hoping, I'm hoping within... Uh, hopefully by the end of next week, we'll have NAKGB and Morin Mafia shirts out there. <laughs> Definitely going to pick up one or two of those. Steph made the biggest mistake when she gave me the password to the T Public site. It's all downhill from here. I'm, I think you mean it's all uphill from here, Steve. I th- well, da- I guess downhill's the way I want to go because uphill's really hard. <laughs> low, I live low in Roxborough. I know how hard uphill is. It's a low effort season for a low effort team at this point. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I don't want to <laughs> spend any more effort. Like it's enough effort finding gifts for the thread. I can't even. I, I that's even too much effort for me at this point. It's just like we're we're watching this team and there's shit that's clearly not working and they're not changing it. And I've given up on this point of like the idea that there is a hockey GM that never like looks at a player and falls in love with them just for the physical element of their game or something dumb like that. Like I love players that are physical. They got to be good at hockey too. Nate Prosser can't just chase for checks and then turn the puck over 40 times a game and get scored on all the time like that it's just everything that we seem to think about this team last year is just crumbling apart and it's really infuriating because for those listening I've never watched this team make the playoffs back-to-back years before oh my god yeah I I picked to come in and become a hardcore fan of them in 2015 so I missed out on any of the fun years uh, like you didn't even see 2012, which could arguably be the last like fun universally year. beloved fun year. I mean, last year was pretty awesome. I loved last year. That was my freshman last year, year in a college. Good time, up until the Islander series, freshman year in college, yeah. I remember like booking it back to the dorm and listening to uh, Kevin Hayes scoring a sick OT goal against the Blues. 
Or was that Jake Voracek? I think Kevin Hayes tied it up. But yeah, like last year was fun and the Flyers just refused to let me enjoy myself for back-to-back seasons. It's illegal. Oh yeah. Oh, it's completely illegal. It's just, <laughs> they they hate you. I'm sorry. They just hate you. No, they, they've been, I think this is why so much of the fan base is jaded because it was always an expectation that the Flyers would make the playoffs. It wasn't an if, it was an expectation. And I mean, you could even argue that really changed more around like 06 07 when they had that disastrous season they had a couple years where they were putting together solid runs and then i think a lot of us will remember but not everybody that the year they made the cup run 2010 they they barely made the playoffs i mean it's it's really worth saying that they barely made the playoffs if it wasn't for that shootout which it's still weird to think that the flyers one of the biggest flyers moments in the past 20 years was winning a shootout it actually happened. Uh, they barely made the playoffs, and then they made that Miracle Cup run, and it, sadly it ended like it did. But And then they came back with a powerhouse team the next year and then blew it up, came back and had a really fun year, and it's just been up and down bullshit ever since. Yeah, I just... Oh, man, it's... Like, we, we've sat through seven years of a rebuild with the expectation that these young players were going to come up and take the team to glory. And like, obviously everybody overvalues prospects. A clear example of that is when I said, Oh yeah. Like the flyers should trade Morgan Frost and some for Matthias Ekholm in a package. And somebody said, I wouldn't trade Morgan Frost for Matthias Ekholm straight up, which like is insanity. Okay. (laughs) Sure thing, bro. But, but yeah, like it, it was basically just a bunch of waiting and like everybody going, Oh man, like look at Travis Konechny and you know, now we have Nolan Patrick coming in and look at all of this exciting youth that we have. And none of it has panned out the way that we've all expected it to, aside from like one big season from Konechny and Provorov has shown flashes, but has never consistently put together a number one defenseman type season. And like, it's just all infuriating. And then of course the crown jewel on top of like the shit Sunday is uh, Carter Hart just completely bottoming out in his second season in like the worst way possible. I can't believe this has played out like it has like, and I think we're all looking in the mirror now and coming to the realization that Carter Hart is not going to be the guy he was last year, this year at all. Like we're just hoping that the team can find a way to hit the reset button on him properly and, and get him back to where he was. This seems like a good time to just talk about those overall Carter Hart struggles right now, which I, I'm just stunned at, at how bad he's been this year, the numbers he's put up, how shaken and unconfident he looks. I, I know the defense has been bad, but I mean, all the all the metrics I've seen have shown that he's just not even making the saves he should be making, and it's just gotten worse in recent weeks. Yeah, I mean, I expected, like, w- the season was going to go one of two ways for him. I, I like a fool, put a little bit of money on him winning the Vesna before the season because the odds oh, were just really good, and I was like, this dude is talented. If the season goes the right way, awesome. Um, he'll probably be up there in the voting. And I was like, the other, the other hand is that he has like a proper sophomore slump teams figure him out. And the way that the season is formatted, he's not going to get a break and it's just going to all fall, like fall apart. And it's been the latter. Um, obviously the schedule hasn't benefited him, but like, I don't think that you can completely just hand it off to that or chalk it up to that. Cause like 
every other team in the league is dealing with this kind of thing. I mean, obviously the Flyers' March schedule has been bonkers, but you, you can't just use that as an excuse um, at this point. Like, this this team would be in a playoff spot probably right now if they were getting league average goaltending, despite how awful the defense has been, despite how poorly they've played, because they're that talented up front. And like, that's what's so, I, I guess, ball busting about this season is like, in 2018, it was a different type of disappointment because like the team was supposed to take a step forward i didn't expect them to like i don't know make the conference final or anything but i thought they would make the playoffs and maybe look competitive in a series i think most of us this season expected them to be oh conference final vision if not top two conference final that was my expectation make it to the eastern conference final for the first time since 2010 and last year we were just happy enough to to win a round. We were like, hey, they won a round. Awesome. Shit, like they haven't been good in forever. And like I I still remember like just the like exuberant mood that I was in after they would win OT games against the Islanders. Like even though it was a mess of anxiety watching each of those games, it was it was still enjoyable to watch that team even when they weren't playing well because there was the upside of like, all right, they've been good this season. They might figure it out, blah, blah, blah. At this point, like I, I'm just drained of hope. Like they've beaten it all out of me. They just feel broken right now and in a way that I don't think can be fixed this year. They look out of gas consistently. They they just look like they're they're checked out a lot of the time and i hate to say that like i'm i'm usually i really try to remain mr optimistic on the show but it really does look that way and i just don't have any faith in them and the, the standings aren't that crazy far apart but they are falling behind more each week and i i just don't, I, even if they make the playoffs i have no faith in this team doing anything right now in their current state they really need a hard reboot and I, this is what I was saying to Bill last week was just like, all right, I guess I could give them a COVID pass this year because it is extraordinary circumstances. But I mean, if they don't step it up next year, you really do have to think about blowing everything up. I'm I'm on train blow it up right now. I know a lot of people are. I, I, I'm not quite there just because I think there are a lot of good young players that I want to see. I don't know. I still think they have time to develop, but it's... It's not looking good, and there's certain vets that, you know, I, I know people have seen here for a long time and are, are definitely losing patience with. It's not you, Coots. Don't, I'm definitely not talking about you, Coots. You're the man. I would never talk to you about that. Like, talk to you like that. No, uh, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about the veteran in question, I think, that everybody has on their mind at this point, at some point in the show. I mean, I threw him in there in the show notes, but, uh, like, it's... I think we should bring him up now. Let's talk about... I mean, I, I want to get to this this Carter Hart thing uh, in a minute, but I mean, we might as well talk about Jake Voracek right now. Oh, good God. Because we're, <laughs> we're blocked on Twitter 12 times for that, but it's whatever at this point. It's, it's time for me to throw down. It's time for me to throw down with Jake Voracek after me sticking up for him year after year. <laughs> it's it's time. It's finally time. I mean... You're going to pass it to the back of the net on Jake Voracek. Oh my God, man. I just... If you're going to make a move with this team... And just shock everybody and wake everybody the hell up. Like, I'm I'm in favor of moving guys. Like, I know Charlie is really strongly against moving either one of Sandheim or Myers because they're talented and they might figure it out. 
um, and they might embarrass you if they go somewhere else. But at the same time, like their ceiling is what a lot of the players who've recently been rumored on the block are right now. And this team is not getting like they have prospects coming up, but kind of the mindset that I have is Giroux isn't getting any younger. Coots is going to have to get a new contract soon. Uh, you're going to have to pay some of the better young players. So honestly, it, it, it might be not a terrible time to start making some moves that maybe tighten up the window a little bit, but at the same time, improve your roster's standing. Cause I, I don't know how you can go into next year with Sanheim and Myers as your second pair and confidently say, yeah, we're going to contend like that's, that's a huge leap of faith to put uh, on the team right there if they don't bounce back. So I'm, I'm a heavy proponent of, making moves on that respect, but let's, let's talk Voracek really quickly. Cause well, I think you got to replace Niskanen. I think you got to like that. That's their biggest problem is that loss of Matt Niskanen, that loss of that veteran leadership on the back end. And Justin Braun's just not cutting it back there. So you need somebody to play with. If Ivan Provorov's going to be your dude, you got to, he clearly plays better when you have a guy next to him in the driver's seat that has that veteran leadership that can help him out and be that top pair defenseman you need. That's what you need more than anything. Yeah, I mean, there are dudes like that available, but uh, you know what you might have to do to like get them? I don't know, trade good players and assets. Uh, I oh, wow. Speaking of trading players, whoa, what a segue there. Uh, uh, let's let's talk about a Jake Voracek trade here. Cause... Let's talk about it. Let's talk about just getting rid of Abominable over there. And I, I guess he's more of a Yukon Cornelius guy. He's, he's a Yukon Cornelius guy, yeah. Uh, but I, I've long been a guy who defends Jake. Um, cause I think he's an underrated player for most of his career in Philly and, uh, people don't like him cause quote unquote, he doesn't shoot enough, which like, if you look at the numbers, that's not true. Um, he just doesn't <laughs> shoot and score enough, but yeah, like he's, he's been bad this year by a lot of accounts, especially if you look at the defensive metrics and just by the eye test, like he's been awful defensively. Um, and the point scoring is still there, but if you look at a lot of the production, it's secondary assists. And, like, normally, I think his career ratio has been... He's had about double the amount of primary assists uh, as compared to secondary ones. This year, I think he has 12, 12 primary assists and 9 secondary assists. Um, not not great. Like, a lot of these are just garbage points um, that are coming late in games where he's not contributing a whole lot to the play. Um, I, I'm blocked on Twitter already as I speak. But uh, <laughs> the, the other thing is, like... We, we talk about in the Slack a lot, um, if you're going to move a guy, he's the guy who makes sense because I just get the impression, I'm not in the locker room, obviously, so I can't say anything with full certainty, but he just seems like a guy where he has that, I don't give a shit, I'm just going to play my game attitude, and that works really well when he's good, um, because like, uh, like it's funny, and like he, he does funny stuff, and he's, he's a good quote, and he like, dunks on sealski and stuff like that but uh it, it's not so great when you're clearly not playing defense and you're getting spanked uh whenever you're on the ice and you're just not doing much in the way of like leading the team and i, I just at this point like they clearly need a, a shake-up um in the leadership department i know that like hayes injected some life into them because he made the locker room fun again but I, I do think that, like, as, as much as Claude Giroux can try to lead by example, sometimes it is good to have a rah-rah guy in there. Um, and 
I put it last week as a piss and vinegar guy. I want somebody who's going to flip over a table when they lose a game. Not every week, but like when the team loses to the Buffalo Sabres, I want a guy who's going in there and go, what the fuck was that? Yeah, like that's kind of why I was yelling in the offseason for them to go get Craig Smith because he's that type of dude. And uh, I I would say of the guys that we've mentioned so far um, in like trade rumors this year on the site, Eckholm's the dude who fits that the best. Um, he's big, he's physical, he yells at the refs a lot. He's definitely an angrier type of player. Um, and he's had leadership roles on teams before. So like, seems like a good fit there, uh, in terms of leadership. But yeah, I just, I don't think that Jake is probably a great influence on the younger kids. Um, he's not really sending the right message by continuing to project that whole, like, well, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do and everybody else can do whatever. Hopefully it works out kind of like attitude um but it's gonna be hard to move him and i think that's kind of the stopping point on a trade at this point is he's he's signed until the end of 2023 2024 and he's getting paid a lot of money um and while he doesn't have a no movement clause you're in a frozen cap right now and the expansion draft is coming up and there, there just aren't a lot of teams that would want to acquire a player like that as well as he's potentially a malcontent if you're trading him for personality reasons. Um, so it just makes it really difficult to move him. You, you look at like the Marlowe trade a while ago and you see he had less term on his deal. He was getting paid less. The production was obviously worse, but he was like a good leadership figure with a lot of experience. Um, so it would probably have to be something of that nature where you're paying a first round pick or like a really high end prospect in order to offload him. That's where we're at at this point. And I just, I, that's where I have a problem with that. Like I, I agree with everything as far as Jake's role in the locker room and him being a little surly and a malcontent at times and all that's bad for the team, but it's not bad enough for me personally to trade away a first round pick or a prospect just to get that out of the locker room. And I mean, the buyout is bad. I remember Kurt was in the slack earlier and said, what's the, what's the buyout on this? And he looked at it and said, Oh no, no, not doing that. No yeah, way. It's like 5 million. <laughs> Ooh, it's, it's insane. An Andrew McDonald a year. Yeah. Let's, let's just uh, have that extend for the rest of my lifetime before the flyers inevitably kill me. No, uh, I, I, I agree with you to an extent that they shouldn't. Listen, they haven't killed me yet. They're not going to kill you. Uh, we'll see. They, I, I agree that they probably shouldn't pay out like high draft capital, especially with the uncertainty surrounding like the quality of this team in the near future. Like who knows they could be, they might be picking top three this year with the rate that they're going at. And they tank baby tank. Let's do it. Give me Brent Clark, baby. Bring him to me. Uh, But yeah, like they, they could end up picking top 10 next year. Who knows? Who knows where they'll be at next year. So I wouldn't be super keen on trading away a first round pick at this point. But like if a team is saying, hey, we need to fix our second line wing spot. Can you retain two or three million on his salary this year to make the cap work? And then uh, trade us like a pick in there, like a a third round pick or like a mid tier prospect that we like. I'd absolutely do that kind of move. I don't know if like such an interest exists out there because a lot of the teams that are out there would probably go after Taylor Hall before Jake Voracek, but like, I don't know, just make something happen at this point is kind of my stance. 
Uh, I'm sick of watching this team just kind of tread water. And if you're going to blow stuff up, uh, Jake is not a bad place to start. Um, go go get some fun players. Especially because you do have guys who can straight up fill in for him on the roster as far as like a top six role. I mean, JVR's obviously stepped it up this year. Uh, Joel Farabee has been fantastic this year. Tonight, not included because Elaine Vigneault decided that he was going to be a fourth line bees tonight. And that just... <laughs> Oh, after uh, benching him on Monday. That was pretty fun. Yeah. Oh, we're not scoring at all, so let's take the team's second leading scorer and bench his ass. That's a good idea. Great idea, Big Al. Jesus Christ, putting the ass in ass crew this week. I, I, I'm just stunned by some of these decisions. But the fact of the matter is, Joel Farabee has stepped it up to such a drastic degree this year that he is a bona fide top six forward for this team. You don't really need Voracek for a lot of that stuff anymore, and... It's not, again, not to say that he's a bad player. He's not a bad player at all. He's a very talented hockey player. But I do think if the Flyers are going to move on from a veteran and shake things up, he's absolutely the guy you have to do it with. I mean, a few years ago when they traded Shen, Shen was the most viable guy to trade. And it was by a mile. There was nobody even close to Shen as far as the veteran guy to shake things up. And now it's Voracek by a mile. Yeah, I mean, I... Like, I don't want to say Jake Voracek is a bad player right now because he's not, but he, out of the big three veterans on this team, is by far, like, the heaviest trend towards being a bad player quite soon. Like, Couturier is great, and Giroux has also been really good this year. Like, I think people are blaming issues with the team on him for no reason when he's maybe the only guy besides Coots who hasn't had a bad game the entire season and he's been great defensively. Like you saw, you saw tonight. Um, he he had that crazy good back check on Skinner, um, and creates a lot of turnovers and stuff like that. Like I I wrote an article right when I joined the site that at the beginning of the year he's playing selkie quality defense, um, and I think his game is going to age really well because he's just such a smart player, um, and he's he's figured out how to play defense on the wing at an elite level. So Jake is the dude who makes all the sense to move. Like if you're going to like totally nuke the core or whatever, move Coots because you'll get an insane return on him and his contract's expiring soon. But I think that this team still has the pieces that they need to contend. And I would probably cry if Sean Couturier got traded. I'm crying inside even thinking about it. I mean, I'm also crying thinking about whatever this contract ends up being because it's going to be bad, especially to make up for the discount that they've gotten on Couturier over the past few years. He's getting the Ryan O'Reilly deal. That's what's happening. Like maybe even a little north of that uh, because of how underpaid he's been beforehand. He deserves it too because he's going to age well. I mean, he's so smart. He's so good in every aspect of his game. He deserves every bit of it. Chestnut checkers, baby. Yeah, he's he's unbelievable. He's maybe the only player on the team that like consistently elevates all of his line mates wherever you put him. He's Dr. Coots. So like, I I just, I'm not on board with full blow up yet, but uh, just to wrap up this little bit here, I'd say, honestly, I'm on the train of, if you've got to pay premium assets to move Jake at this point, like I, I wouldn't be totally opposed to doing it. I also wouldn't be totally opposed to exposing him in the expansion draft upcoming. Um, oh, that would be, I think that's the dream right now. Yeah, so. but I just, the question. Come on, Kraken. Captain to the Kraken, Jake Voracek. Let's do it. And then he wins a Con Smythe and a Stanley Cup with them, of course. <laughs> and like his <laughs> first Phil year. Said, Phil, Phil said, I'm putting all the money I can on Con a heart trophy, Consmite, everything for Jake Voracek if he goes to the Kraken. He's going to have such a chip on his shoulder 
It's <laughs> a four hundred. I'm down for the Kraken season. captain. I mean, his beard alone. I mean, it just looks like it looks like a, a sea captain's beard. It's perfect. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over two million vehicles and fifty thousand more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Speaking of beards, oh baby, what a transition here! Look at you, look at you taking the transitions. <laughs> I'm, I'm just oh, segueing. I'm, I'm segueing like a uh, Paul Blart over here. That was a bad one. Uh, <laughs> let's let's Craig, talk. Craig appreciates that. Let's, yeah, let's Craig's talk all about any good Kevin James kind of reference there. <laughs> let's talk some. Let's talk some roster additions here and whether or not the team deserves them, because it's questionable at this point. I mean. At this point, I don't think they deserve anything except for a parade of goalies from two years ago. But, uh, I, you know, there's still needs that have to be made. And especially, I think you really have to think about if you can make a deal that's going to affect this team for the next two to three years. I think that's the kind of thing you should be looking at making right now. Chucky two trades. I know you listen to the show, Chucky. I know you listen. So I'm going to ask you a question here. I want I want your answer on this. Are, how do you feel about acquiring Matthias Ekholm and extending him at the cost of one of Sanheim or Myers or whoever else is on the back end of this team at this point? Two weeks ago, I would have been like, nah. Now I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's fine by me. Uh, I'm not actually concerned with any of the back end guys, really. I think they're replaceable. I think you can draft good offensive talent to come up. Like we were talking about earlier in the slack, uh, the possibility of Scott Lawton getting traded and maybe leaving. And I'm fine with that. I like Scott Lawton a lot. I, I don't want to lose our little serial killer, a little psycho killer, but I'm okay with that, especially if it can give you a top notch, top four defenseman. I don't want to lose Sandheimer Myers. I think Myers has so much great raw talent that I, I would be pissed off if they got rid of him, but at the same time, and Sanheim, I think is just really solid all around, uh, not having the year we wanted him to have by any means, but I think he is a, a very good second pairing defender, uh, long-term for this team. That said, uh, I'm probably okay with losing one of them. Uh, if you can get a guy like Ekholm, like a top four defender, like no doubt about it kind of guy. Yeah. So Here's, here's kind of my, my little uh, rant that I want to go on with Flyers fans. You don't always need to consider the defensemen on your roster to be untouchable just because they've come up and gotten developed and drafted. Oh, buddy, buddy. We, we, to give you a little perspective on this, this is probably the first time that the Flyers have drafted and developed defensemen I don't know, ever, maybe. Uh, the, the Flyers have a horrible history with that. that oh, yeah. I mean, Lucas Pisa, baby. <laughs> Lucas Pisa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think. There's like one other. Really... Ryan Parent. Ryan Everybody's Parent, favorite. noted Nashville Predators legend. Ryan Parent. Garbage defenseman right there. My God. 
you know, this is for us. This is like our children because this is the first time the Flyers have actually developed, drafted and developed defensemen in as long as anybody can remember. So I think that's why everybody's very precious about it. But it's also the overrating of prospects. Like, oh, I wouldn't trade Nolan Patrick for anything. I mean, I don't think anybody'd say that now, but two years ago they'd say that. Or, or Morgan Frost, or that possibility exists in people's mind. And the reason for that is we're so scarred from the guys we have given up. Uh, Dennis Seidenberg, Patrick Sharp, those guys back in the early 2000s. Justin Williams, baby. (laughs) Justin Williams is the ultimate. Justin Williams is the ultimate should have kept because he ended up having a tremendous NHL career. And we all knew it when they got rid of him and Sharp. Like, we, we knew it. I actually found an old, like, live journal post of mine or some shit from way back when where I talked about the Flyers being idiots for trading away Patrick Sharp. Yeah, he was a good player. I didn't... Like, I went back and I looked at the numbers because I was like, oh, like, maybe he was just kind of middling. And I was like, no, he was a fine, like, middle six forward with a lot of talent who was still reasonably young on that team. And that was a good team. Like, didn't make a ton of sense that they traded him away. Um, but we're sh- we're scarred from that. We're scarred from I, that. I get that. Kept. But I just want to I just want to talk to the listeners really quickly. So, Matthias Ekholm has, has had, like, an interesting year. Um he he wasn't playing all that great to start the year, which is why a lot of people on the Predators like side of things were kind of okay with trading him because they were like, all right, Ellis is better than him, Yossi is better than him, Fabro is really young, Ekholm's the guy who's the odd man out because he needs to get an extension. Since coming back from getting injured and having COVID, um, I think I think those two things happened at the same time. Or like quite a I combination. I don't remember exactly what happened because he was sick with COVID. But basically, he was out for a little bit. Since coming back, he has been a Norris caliber defenseman, and that is not an exaggeration. That is not me hyping him up just because I love him. He's been that good, um, and he's out of the guys on the Predators who have been supposedly available. He's the dude who's going to be the easiest to acquire. And he's the guy who, honestly, I think his game will age the best. Because Ellis is the better of the two players right now. But I don't think the gap is that massive. And he's been really injury-prone throughout his career. So I'm fully beating the drum for go get Ekholm and don't make it a short-term move. Don't make it a regrettable, oh, we just picked up a rental for no reason type move. Go get him while he's still semi-available before David Poyle decides to protect him and extend him. And... Get a guy who can legitimately be a number one defenseman for your team. Because, not an exaggeration, Ekholm would be the best defenseman that this team has had since Chris Pronger. And I think that would go for Ryan Ellis, too. But there are concerns there. Um, he's he's played 82 games once in his entire career. And he's he's suffered a couple of major injuries recently, so... Now, see, now that I hear all that, I, I know without a doubt that the Flyers are going to get Ellis out of the two. Because... Of course, they're going to get the guy with injury history. He'll come here. We'll be all excited. And that'll be get hurt half the time. And that'll, that'll be that. I mean, when he's not hurt, he's a top five defenseman in the NHL. And people can fight me on that. He oh, had, he had oh, a historically great so year. tragically familiar. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where he stands. It's like, he'll, you can guarantee that he'll play at least like 50 games in a season. He might hit 70. He had a couple seasons in a row where he played 70, but he's only played the full 82 once. He suffered some sort of injury at least once every single year. Um, Like, he brings more interesting playoff success and leadership qualities to the team. 
But at the same time, like Ellis has the fiery or Ellis doesn't have the fiery element and Ekholm kind of does bring that. So I'm I'm fully aboard. I think the Flyers the current roster doesn't deserve like an addition in the sense that they should keep the roster together and make additions to it. I think they should make a major move like getting rid of Voracek and then they should go look to bring in Ekholm and extend him. I think that would be a great move. Obviously also there've been names like Ricard Raquel and John Klingberg thrown about, but like I'm not that interested in adding a forward. I think you can pick up guys in free agency who are valuable there. And then like Klingberg, by all accounts from like the people over at Defending Big D that I've talked to, they're just not gonna trade him. So I don't know where that's coming from either. That was Burnside, I believe, who put that out there as a possibility. And I haven't heard anything about that since the initial Burnside article on that. Now, regarding the, I guess, the reward, the the guys to go after, um, I agree with you on the forward front. I think they have forwards. I think they can get forwards. Defense is the consistent problem for this team. I don't know, going back since the 70s, maybe? Uh, Like, they've had times where they've had good defensemen. I mean, 2010, you had an amazing top sit or top four right there, but your bottom pairing was just garbage. Um, you've had Pronger, they've had team and obviously Eric Desjardins was great. Mark Howe back in the eighties, they've had defensemen, but the defense as a whole is a consistent problem for this team, especially since Chris Pronger got hurt and retired. And I, I would love to get a rock solid defenseman in there to really shore things up. I really, so my question for you, is in a deal like this, most likely you're going to have to give up a young offensive talent, and that's really where the Flyers are deepest, is in young offensive talent. If you're Charles T. Trades, Chucky Two Trades, as we know him around here, how who would you be most willing to give away in a deal like this? It really depends on who the Predators are willing to take at this point. But just as a, a perspective of being Chuck Fletcher, right? Like, if you're trying to get one over on another team and you're looking at your young assets, who's the guy, if you're Chuck Fletcher, that you're like, okay, this is the guy I'm most willing to, to give up on right now. Ah, God, that's really hard. Um, I mean, if the Predators were dumb enough to take Nolan Patrick in a trade like that, I'd do it in a second. But I think they probably, uh, by all accounts... Um, from the people that I've talked to again, like NHL insider, Eamon Smith over here. But, uh, I I have like one person that I can reliably get information about the predators from. And he basically said, and this lines up with like something that, uh, other reporters have said too, um, who are much more reliable than I am, uh, that basically Nashville was holding out for Cam York. And they really wanted him badly. And the Flyers just shut the door on that. And they were like, we're not trading him. He's a huge part of our future. We think he's great. He can be a number one guy, blah, blah, blah. Which, like, I'm not convinced. I would have traded Cam York for oh, I would have one of those two defensemen that we named <laughs> earlier. But, like... I'm still mad they didn't draft Cole Caulfield over Cam I'm not going to cry about that anymore. I'm, I never cried about it. I actually thought it was hilarious when we had the BSH draft party and the... The whole room went bonkers and then it wasn't like that. It was like, I felt so bad for everybody, but I also thought it was hysterical just because everybody was like, they're going to do it. They're going to get coffee. Oh, what the? And they traded back and then it was up again. They're going to get coffee. 
Cam- and they said they said a C name. Oh, USA, Cam York. Yeah, but oh. I I would say at this point you you gotta look at Morgan Frost as the guy that they're probably gonna have to move in order to make one of those moves work. Cause like I've made peace with this. They they're not gonna trade Zade Wisdom, um, especially oh, not I, with. I love him already. I, I've what, what's the the uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine lines like? I've I've had Zade Wisdom for five minutes. Yeah, the... and I would die for him. <laughs> With with the puppy, yeah, man, yeah, that's a throwback. I haven't watched that show in a minute, but yeah, like, uh, that's that's kind of the vibe with wisdom and Tanner Lazinski's really good, but I don't think he'd like be a key piece in a deal like that. I don't think he moves the needle for some. He might be a throw in piece, which you don't want to say that about Lazinski, especially with his play of late. But if you're an opposing GM, that's how it is. Yeah, like I think he'll be a quality third line guy in the NHL who can score, but. I don't know that that's going to be worth it for Poyle at this point to move one of those two big defensemen. Um, you're going to have to throw Frost something is, substantial. Morgan his Frost way. is the guy. Yeah, you're 100 percent right there. He's he's the guy who moves the who moves the ticker, whatever you say, whatever the saying is. He moves the box or whatever the fuck needle. You're like, <laughs> the needle. That's it. I don't, I don't know. Bourbon Steve's here. You can't remember words, but he moves the needle for a guy like Poyle. He's a guy who has that raw talent. He's had hype about him. He's got the reputation of of being the Flyers, like one of the Flyers' top prospects. He is a, he would have to be your key piece, I think, it's something. And I don't think they're gonna trade Farabee easily right now either, considering how he's played this year. So I have I have a spicy rumor surrounding Frost for you. Ooh, I like that. I like spicy meatballs. Uh so this I, I'm I've said multiple times before that I'm very thankful that Flyers fans haven't been paying attention to the Predators this year but I'm going to kind of rectify that by making them pay attention to the thing that should be making them angry, <laughs> which is apparently on draft day um, after the Predators cup run, when they were picking 30th overall, they really liked Morgan Frost and they were probably going to pick him if he was available there. And the Flyers took him and the Predators ended up taking a finish forward by the name of Ellie Tolvanen at that spot instead the same Ellie Tolvanen who's currently on a six-game point streak and in the month of March has been scoring at a 70-point pace. Take that as you will. So, <laughs> Interesting, interesting. Just just to twist the knife there a little bit. I mean, the fact that the trade deadline still hasn't happened is still amazing to me. Like, we're still coming up on it, and I, I think it's been driving everybody extra bonkers. All right, let's, let's talk about... Let's talk about some of the last things that we have on the sheet here. Well, okay. Before we talk about the last things on the sheet, I wanted to do a quick edition of everybody's favorite feature. Taking it to the beats. Oh, baby. Where? Carter Hart. <laughs> oh, oh, there we go. There we go. All right. Carter Hart. We talked about his struggles earlier. Slamming Sammy Carcitti, not Slamuel Morin of the Morin Mafia. Slam and Sammy Carcitti. I gotta come up with new nicknames for these guys, but Slam and Sammy staying for Carcitti. NBA Slamuel. Oh, okay, okay. March 30th, tweet from Sam Carcitti. Struggling NHL Flyers goalie Carter Hart split with longtime sports psychologist. Has it affected his play? An article from Sam Carcitti. For real? Sam Carcitti? For real? Like, okay. I get that this is an interesting thing for people. They want to know why Carter Hart has struggled. 
it's hard to fathom because we came in with all these expectations going, oh, Carter Hart is the dude. He's amazing. He's great. And then he's he's been shit this year. He has not been good. And it all just boggles the mind. And we knew about a sports psychologist and him keeping his cool under pressure. And that obviously hasn't been the case this year. Okay. I, I get that people might be curious about this, but like, isn't this a private matter for Carter Hart? I, I don't need to know about, I don't need to know about his fucking sports psychologist. I don't think it's any of my damn business. Personally, I, I feel really bad that this information is getting out there about Carter Hart. I get he's a public figure in Philadelphia and we obsess over our athletes and everything, but for real, Sam, for real. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> Carchidi is normally somebody that I've just ignored because like when I entered Flyers Twitter, he was already well-established as a bit of a relic, but man, like he's normally just kind of the rudimentary type of stupid uh, with the stuff that he puts out there where he's like, oh, like the Flyers are in dire need of Sam Moran, who's directly coming off of knee surgery and trying to get up to speed in the AHL. Like, Fine. He's been having that. He's been tooting that Moran horn for for years now. Yeah, like fine. Maybe you'd like Sam Moran. I I I think he's a fantastic kid. And which like, look at me calling him a kid. He's older than I am. But uh, I can call you both kids. So <laughs> yeah, but like uh, like he's like a dude that I'd love to hang out with. And uh, I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. And he's working his tail off to get to the NHL. And like, uh, we'll we'll talk about in a second probably as we're like wrapping things up his first goal um which was a pretty special one but like that's like just a normal type of stupid where it's like this dude clearly isn't up to speed yet let's not think that he's the savior of the franchise let's let him get back up and get comfortable with playing hockey again before we toss him into the nhl and hope that he's good um it's 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 gone to a new level with this like it's, it's just a gross breach of privacy, and it opens the door for questioning the mental health of a player in a year where everybody's mental health has been completely wrecked. Like, I speak uh, from a unique position here because I'm a 19-year-old who is away from home and basically just around people my own age um, for the most part, which I would bet is similar to Hart's situation where he's basically just around his teammates and that's it. Um, he's not with his family, which can be a steadying rock in these kinds of situations. And it's just, it's none of Carcitti's business. It, it generally just violates journalistic integrity to take that from a source and then disclose it. I mean, maybe he had an agreement with whoever he picked that up from, uh, to release it maybe he okayed it with heart beforehand but like put that in the article or like at least respond to the criticism on twitter and say heart okayed this don't worry about it i haven't seen any of that kind of stuff which makes me believe that he just kind of found out about it and then dropped it um and i don't know man like there's there's being critical of your athletes and there's being investigative about them and looking for the reasons why a season is going wrong. And then there's just like invading their life and just actively seeking to frame something in a way that it shouldn't be portrayed. Like it, it just basically, it, it places the success of the team immediately on the shoulders of 
Carter Hart's mental health. And I think that's like, that's a very slippery slope to stand at the top of and say, yeah, I want to jump down this. Uh, it's, it's just a lot to put on a kid that young. Um, and I know that he's got to be better and he's got to start winning games, but like he's already under plenty of fire. And then to just basically douse him in nitroglycerin seems like pretty poor form from a slamming Sammy there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nitroglycerin is a great way to put it right there. Uh, I was actually very pleasantly surprised by the use of nitroglycerin there. It's true though. It, It is really, it feels like a gross violation of privacy. It does not feel like something we need to know. We are sports fans. He is under enough pressure. He's getting enough shit. Come on, Sam. Stick to writing about X-Flyers. Like, you wrote this Mark... Fre- you put out the Mark Friedman Chronicle thing from Pittsburgh where he's like, oh, I live in Cranberry. Oh, it's a nice corny place. Blah, blah, blah. Great. Let's write about Mark Friedman being a nerd, okay? Don't need to write about Carter Hart's struggles, about his mental health issues, especially in this year, as you put it, where so many people are struggling with these issues and it's just a bad time to, to really dwell on that. We can't be pinning these teams issue this team's issues on his his mental health status, especially a young player like this that we put so much expectation and hope on. Yeah, like it's ridiculous. I mean, I I had a really rough time last semester just dealing with like the pressure of classes and succeeding in that. So I can't even freaking imagine what it's like to be told basically the whole team is failing because you decided that you didn't want to work with a certain psychologist. And like I think there's a misconception a lot of the time of like, oh, like, well, if you're going to a psychologist, obviously you're compatible. I can speak from experience as somebody who has seen people before for like anxiety therapy. That's not always the case. Um, I went to a psychologist here in Auburn where I'm recording from that was like a giant ripoff. And I saw him for a couple of months before just inevitably giving up. Um, and maybe, maybe Hart had a clash with him. Maybe Maybe he was just like, you know, I I feel like I've worked with you enough on the stuff that I need help with. A lot of a lot of psychological help is just learning to self-regulate. Um, like for me, it's basically just if I'm in a crowd of people, making sure that I have methods to regulate social anxiety. And that like maybe that's what Hart felt like is he's like, I've got enough tools in my toolbox at this point. I don't really need to be seeing you all the time anymore. Um, and I, it's just, it's a ludicrous thing for Karchidi to put out there without any additional context behind where he got the information. Was it okayed by anybody? And like, I know that the players probably don't read the media that much, um, or look at social media that much. Cause it's just a bad Except thing for, for them Jake to do. Foracek. Yeah, of, of course, Jake. I feel like Jake has just one email blast a month that comes out where he gets like select pieces of like bad tweets and bad news and just like. All right, blocking him, blocking him. I'm going to call him out at the next press conference. Okay, we're good. Look, when uh, Charlie O'Connor makes a sarcastic tweet about you, you have to go dunk on him. That's the way it goes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I, I'd imagine that Hart has checked Twitter at least once in the past couple of days. So he's seeing people questioning the state of his mental health, which is never a good feeling. And no, no, it's just irresponsible by Karchidi, to put it plainly. Like, I get anxious over innocuous tweets sometimes. Like, I get anxiety. It might not seem like this, but I am an anxious wreck about this show a lot of the time. And I can't even imagine how it feels being an athlete 
of that caliber on that stage. And I mean, I know the NHL isn't up to the other standards of the three major, the other three major sports, but it's still a lot of eyes on you and a lot of people talking about you at all times. Yeah. I, we just, at some point you have to reconcile the fact that these are kids. Um, I'm a kid too. So like, well, I'm a grown ass man and I have anxiety. About yeah. This stuff. Like everybody's still figuring stuff out. Carter Hart is a human being um who like at the age that when when whoever's listening or criticizing him was at his age they probably had no clue what they wanted to do or if they did they were like working towards doing that they weren't already at the professional level with the expectations of being the very best so uh it just it puts it all into perspective a moment like this where you see something so asinine and you just have to sit there and be like wow that's that's brutal for an adult man who's been covering this team for so long to open up a kid to that kind of criticism and questioning about that sort of subject. And like, I don't think Karchidi ever means anything by it, but at some point you have to take a step back and be like, you keep making these same stupid mistakes. (laughs) And even if you're trying really hard not to hurt anybody, like you got to be held accountable at some point for being bad. Uh, uh, at like picking the storylines that you want to follow again like go it's that clueless dad energy yeah that, that just like oh gee did i offend somebody sure didn't mean to i mean my dad my dad like has those moments too but it's about completely different stuff he has like more emotional intelligence than a potato so <laughs> <laughs> i like go go back to as you mentioned before dunking on a noted shit talker mark friedman tell him that uh he never actually lived in Philly for long enough to get a flavor of the city. Has has Mark Friedman ever been to uh has Mark Friedman ever been to uh Dallas Andres before? Has Mark Friedman ever been to I can't imagine he has. You wouldn't you wouldn't talk that way about Philly you've been to Dallas Andres. You just don't. What, have have you ever been to uh Reading Terminal, Mark Friedman? <laughs> I don't think he knows what that is. <laughs> yeah, o- uh, only to Allentown and Voorhees. That's all he's ever been to. We don't know that for sure, but come on, Mark Friedman. I mean, he's had the weirdest, like, post-Flyers, what, two months I've ever seen. Like, just all this weird, like, shit-talking over, like, it's the old Don Draper, I didn't even know you existed, right there. Dude, I mean, it's it's classic WWE heel turn. He was, mm. he, he just straight up, as soon as he got ditched by the team, he was like, yeah, this coaching staff screwed me, and I hate the town and the fans. Eat shit, all of you. <laughs> And like props Hollywood to him. Friedman's here, brother. He's wearing a bandana and sunglasses. <laughs> he he walks out in an NWO shirt with like <laughs> I'm trying to think, what are some other former flyers that have gone on to like uh just destroy them immediately after getting traded? Because obviously he had the goal in the game after getting shipped out. Uh the guy I always think of I always think of Ruslan Fedotenko back in the day. Yeah, obviously just... him. And Ooh, then uh, Bob. That was always rough. Bob kind of killed the Flyers for a little bit there. So yeah, he just rolls yeah. out with like Bob and Ruslan all wearing NWO gear. <laughs> there we go. And uh, maybe maybe Justin Williams makes a guest appearance here. Yeah, Justin but really like did, did Justin Gagne. Williams like talk crap about the franchise after they moved him? I don't think so. That's the thing. I don't. I don't. I. <laughs> I can't remember this level of just like shit talking for somebody who just left. I'm sure I'm going to get a tweet tomorrow with like three examples, but I mean, it's, it's very strange behavior from a guy who really just had a cup of coffee with the flyers and couldn't crack a lineup over 
Eric Gustafson and the rest of these bums. Oh my god. To be to be fair though, like Maddie and Brad, who've watched more Phantoms hockey than like anybody. They do the Lord's work with the Phantoms. And yeah. Just, it can't give enough credit to Maddie and Brad for their, their Phantoms covers. They do amazing work. If you if you haven't gone and checked out listeners, uh Fancy Stats, which is spelled with a P at the beginning of it. That's like their stat tracking for Lehigh Valley. Go give it a look, even if you don't understand a ton about analytics. It's just crazy that they spend all that time tracking games for the benefit of everybody reading. Um, but yeah, like they they all were very high on Friedman, and they were like he could be a good defenseman. And honestly, I'd have to agree that like at the bare minimum, he'd be better than freaking Eric Gustafson. And it, it kind of drove me nuts that they were benching him so frequently and weren't giving him much of an opportunity and they gave him up for free, just like they were intending to do with Shane. But I was on the ver- I was gonna lose my mind if Shane Costaspare somehow ended up on the Penguins with Friedman. That just would have been. They don't. They don't have the space, thankfully, to do I, that. That's but... I, I, that was my realization. But there was a moment where I'm like, Oh, oh Christ! No. I broke out in a cold <laughs> sweat. That just that just screamed Shane Costaspare revenge tour to me. I was really, really rooting hard for like. If he has to go anywhere, go to Florida because he's from there. He grew up in the yeah. Panthers organization, or like not in their and organization, Ekblad. but like uh, he he played junior he hockey them. under like, them. That was, yeah, that was he's he's from around Sunrise, and he played in their rink. He was on like the Junior Panthers or whatever the name of the team was. So like that would have been a cool storyline. And then they need him. They're a good offensive team. He would have been fun to watch. Probably would have like put up sixty points in twenty games just to make all of us feel like awful about moving him, <laughs> but I don't know. Like that's that's kind just, of it's the idea it's where um, Penguins uniform terrified me. Just him coming in and pulling reverse Andy Delmore's the reverse Delmore, just a hat trick against the Flyers every time. That's a nightmare of mine. Andrew Delmore, I've heard his name more times in the past month and a half than I think I have the entire rest of my life. Listen, you only know that name because. I've brought it up on Fly Purbly at least twice a year. False. False. He is okay, okay. He's tied for the record for the most power play goals in a season by a Nashville Predator. That's I where I know that. him from. So there you go. How about that? How about that? Learning. He, he got roasted today. on the broadcast out of nowhere, I think like a month ago, by Hal Gill or Chris Mason, one of the two. Uh, they were like, yeah, Andy Delmore. That, that is a Flyer fan favorite right there, Hal Gill. Hal Gill, oh, who I have Ooh. to listen to on the radio with Pete Weber uh, whenever I'm not able to watch a game. But yeah, uh, oh, man. They, they basically dunked on him. They were like, Andy Delmore, great shot, not a very smart player. And I was like, damn, like you didn't have to cram on him like that. That's really rough. Yeah, that is some top-notch dunkitude right there. Yeah, like, I, I mean... What did, what did Andy Delmore ever do to Hal Gill? I don't know. Maybe he's spitting his drink one time. <laughs> it's very possible. Who actually... Who can know? Who can ever know if uh, the elusive Hal Gill right there? All right. F- final thing I wanted to bring up tonight, Eamon. Samuel Morin. The Samuel Morin. Slamuel, as I've come to start calling him. Actually, we have Cam York news real quick. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. We'll bring up Morin real quick. Scored his first goal against the New York Rangers over the weekend, and I'm very happy for Slamuel, especially after the road he's had to come up in with the injuries and everything. I I think it's really, it was a great sight. Everybody was super pumped for him. It was awesome. 
what I was not so enthusiastic about was the fact that there were a lot of people acting like that saved the season. And obviously that's not the case anymore, but at the time they were like, Oh, he's going to save the season and he's going to be the top. And I was really worried that we'd fall back into this pattern that he really suffered from when he first was coming up in the NHL, where everybody, because of his size kept saying, Oh, he's going to be the next Chris Pronger. He's going to be Chris Pronger, which is an insanely unfair comparison because Chris Pronger is probably one of the, he is definitely one of the best defensemen in NHL history. He might be a top three great defenseman in NHL history. So it's a hell of a comparison to put him out there. I just hope, and again, I don't think that's going to be the case after this Buffalo stretch, but I hope we're not going back into that slippery slide of calling him the next pronger. So for, for some context here, uh, I was in a restaurant when Samaran scored his his goal my my whole family has been vaccinated i got my first dose i was masked up and we were well socially distanced and everything but they were in town they wanted to go out somewhere so i was like all right um and i my brother because i wasn't checking my phone as is good courtesy and my brother tells me sam moran scored a game-winning goal and I started giggling like a maniac. And like, even though we weren't really close to anybody in the restaurant, I think at least everybody around us immediately stared at me because I looked like a crazy person. But I was so happy for Moran scoring that goal. Like, I, I know that a lot of people are hard on him and they're like fed up with the insane contingent of Twitter that's just constantly screaming for him. Well, because, like, why does it have to be, why does it have to be you either root for him to, and you think he's going to be the best or you're skeptical of it? Like, can't you just be skeptical of him and then be happy if he does succeed? Because that's where I'm at. I, like, it's not like the people, I think the people who really root for him think that people are skeptical of him hate his guts. I don't think anybody really hates his guts. Like, I'm just skeptical of his, his ceiling as an NHL player. No, I love Sam Moran, and I will, I will fully own the fact that I've had a lot of terrible draft takes in the past. Um, and I would consider Sam Moran one of them because I loved him. Um, and a lot of people rightfully so were like, that's a terrible pick by the flyers the moment it was made. And I was like, man, this dude is huge and he can skate. That's crazy. He's going to be sick. And like, I wasn't on the, he's going to be pronger train, but I was like, he's going to be great. And he'll be a foundational piece of this rebuild. Um, and He's he's up there for me now with like Lawson Kraus or Kraus, however you want to pronounce his last name. It's Kraus, uh, but Lawson Kraus, who I had a similarly terrible take about. He was like one of the only bad players in that draft, and I was like, man, oh God. I love this guy. I thought the Flyers were getting him a hundred percent. I didn't want him, and I thought the Flyers were all aboard the Kraus train. Yeah, I just I back then I was a goober, and I was like, size is the prize, baby. Uh. Swole is the goal. Right there. Just just uh, pick the biggest player on the board, Rasmus Ristolainen, and go pay four first round picks for him. Even though he's a he's a traffic gun, he's he's good. Sure. I think that's I think that's what everybody's in Charlie's mention saying right now. It's insane. Athletic, uh, athletic. I I I have section. like for for his amazing content as Charlie writes, I still feel really bad for him a lot of the time because. People trust his opinion, and that means that they submit all of their absolutely insane takes all at once to him, and he just kind of has to, like, tolerate it and not go insane on the timeline about it. Um, and, like, big, big ups to him, because I couldn't do that. I'd probably just be ripping people. i do that in the BSH comments if somebody says something dumb. Like, 
I'm not going to like take your head off or anything, but I will tell you, I think that you're wrong. Um, and yeah, like I, I've been a huge Moran fan for the entire time that he's been in the system. I remember telling my dad, I was like, we're going to have all these giant defensemen, uh, and like, nobody's going to be able to play with us because they're just going to be so much bigger and faster than everybody. And he, he just kind of like nodded his head at me because he's lived more decades than I have, obviously. So, uh, he, he knows that soldier in the Morin mafia and he just looked over at you inside. He, he was born the year that the flyers came to Philly. So he's lived through all of it and he's, he's lived through every single bit of disappointment. So he's less naive than I was back then. But he's also lived through the triumphs, which I have not lived through. Yeah. He saw a freaking Stanley cup win two of them. So cool for him. I don't know if he remembers either of them, but nine years before my time, I believe. Yeah. Like, uh, he, he, he had the right idea there. Cause I, I don't know that Moran is ever going to be a good NHL player. Like he's, he's been serviceable. I want him to be. He's, he's been serviceable in two starts and then he was really bad tonight, which like everybody sucked tonight, but he was really bad tonight. Um, I would say that like the only defensemen that were clearly worse than him were Gustafson and Braun. Um, and Braun like has been the best defenseman on the team this season by underlying numbers, which is a pretty scary thought. And I know people hate that terminology, but like general reference, it's blown my analytics. mind. Like I, here's the thing. I, I understand. I, I don't really always understand the analytics, but I understand that they know more than me. Most of the time, it's like just trusting scientists in general. Like, well, you know what? He knows more than me. So I am going to get this vaccine. Um, not to, dunk, well, actually I'll dunk on anti-vaxxers all day cause they're idiots. But I, I looked at, I, I just, Braun is a guy who I have looked at and he always just looks so freaking slow to me, but he's looked okay. Weirdly since he came back from COVID, which I don't understand in the slightest, but tonight he was getting the doors blown off him early in this game. Yeah. But like <sighs> Moran, Moran was like slightly better than him. And that's kind of where I stand on him is like, he might be an adequate third pairing defenseman who you can play cheap and like, he'll be good or like at least serviceable. And that's all the expectations I have for him. And if he pans out and is that I will be delighted because I don't think that there's like a more likable prospect in the system besides maybe Zade wisdom than Sam Moran. Um, Yeah. I think your story rankings go wisdom and then Sam Moran. Yeah, like, he's he's had multiple knee surgeries that he's had to deal with, which, like, that sucks, especially as a bigger guy where his mobility was already, like, that was, like, the big thing was, oh, he's mobile for a big guy, and then this has taken away some of that mobility. Um, and he's never had elite lateral speed. He's always just been, like, a pretty good straight-line skater. So that, that was concerning for me. That's shown up where he's not great at pivoting, um, and that's cost him some plays. But, like... Give him some time to adjust in the NHL. I know a lot of people got really angry at uh, Tom's article the other day. Oh my god! Because of the headline, I think Tom was though. Tom like went full Joker and was like, "Yeah, I'm eating it up. Get, bring it on, bring it on." Yeah, just, like I love. I, the I pain. think he was absorbing all the pain and just. That's <laughs> kind of how I energy. work too. Like I got I got dunked on tonight because uh, I had like a dumb screw up in my article where I basically checked out for a second and forgot that Ralph Kruger got fired like a week ago or so. So I was just like, Ralph Kruger has to be watching all of this burn down. And then I realized, Oh wait, they have like a rando behind the bench that I don't know. Uh, someone called me out in the comments and I was just like, all right, cool. Like good criticism. Fair. 
Um, and I think that's kind of where you need to like look at it for Moran too. Is like if somebody criticizes him, don't take it as like they hate him. Um, that's kind of absurd. It's it's valid to criticize a guy, but at the same time, like if you're one of those people out there who's actively rooting against his success to prove a point. And I, I know that, like, that's not the majority of people, but there are a couple of people out there who want that to happen just so they can say, I told you so. Because, like, they're, they're miserable people out there who would rather just be right than the team be good. Um, uh, that's fair. That's a fair assessment. Yeah, like, uh, don't don't be that person. Just take the criticisms in stride and be like, you know, you can have that opinion. Like, it's valid to a point. And hockey as a fan if you're not if you're uh, even even as like a player or a gm hockey is a subjective thing everybody evaluates it a little bit differently everybody has different inherent biases so like if somebody says sam moran is good and you're like i don't know what you're looking at buddy um just just have like a respectful disagreement with them i think that's like the one thing that i'm not totally used to with flyers twitter yet as compared to nashville is there's a lot less respectful stuff going on lately and more like just like I don't even know like if nasty is the right word for it but it's just a lot more personal attacks going on out there lately so uh, let's calm that down and just focus on can we just calm down in general like I I feel like people are getting like it's okay to be mad at this team and to be upset but focus on how shit they are like not don't yell at everybody else. Like, just... Well, and let's just not be nasty. And, like, even while the team's shit, like, these are still human beings at the end of the day. So don't go, like, just cursing them out on Twitter. Like, I saw some really upsetting things from March Madness, for instance, where people were going to the DMs of these players and just, like, eviscerating them. Yeah, that and... Ohio State guy. That dude's, like, yeah, my age. That's wild. It's upsetting stuff. It's just, like, people don't deserve this kind of treatment, even high-paid athletes. So it's... Be upset about the play of the team, but don't dole out personal abuse to either fans of the team or the players. Just don't get to that level. I know we're all cooped up and it sucks and we need outlets, but I don't know. Get get a heavy bag and punch that or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, like There's healthier ways to do this. Go scream into a pillow for a couple of minutes if you really have to. Like, come on now. Let's... I love screaming into pillows. I do it all the time. It's great. Like, just... I, there's, there's like always the whole thing of like, wow, like since the advent of the internet, people have gotten meaner. And I I don't think that's true. I think it's just people have always been on the internet. People have been stupid since the dawn of time and mean and cruel. And this just gives them a bigger avenue to air their stupidity. Uh, so like, let's, let's calm it down a little bit. Keep it to yourself. Uh, go scream into a pillow, talk to somebody about it who loves you and whom you love uh like facetime someone and be like man i can't stand the flyers will will you listen to me vent for a little bit because that's ultimately going to be healthier than getting into fights with people on twitter uh and calling people that you don't know and will probably never meet a bunch of awful names so uh shout out to flyers twitter for being a little bit uncivil lately let's let's chill that out just just enjoy the sam moran storyline if it pans out wonderful if not uh trash whatever but uh like fine he's he's just not a defenseman that can plug into this plot roster and a play and fix things speaking of defensemen that can plug into the roster and fix things we go from a defenseman that soars to the heavens to a one that is just average height for a man 
Cam York. Cam signed as ELC. Cam York. What is it? Yamcork. Yamcork. Camuel. Uh, I I don't I don't know if there's another good nickname for him. Ginger Ninja. Uh, that could always be bandied about. Mm, mm, that's a pretty good one. The next Brian Leach, as a uh, NHL Network christened him when he was drafted. Mm, Brian Leach. I, the best uh, Brian Leach thing I could think of recently was when I saw an old guy in a Rangers jersey when I was drunk in a Flyers game, and I yelled at him and said, "Are you actually Brian Leach? Cause you're old as shit." Damn, owned. I was feeling good that the owned. Yeah, owned. That's just serious ownage. Listen, folks, I had many drinks at Han Dynasty and I went to the Flyers game. So that's what happened when you had that combination. So Cam York, how quickly do you think we could see him? Because uh, what I saw is that his ELC is actually effective this season. So do you think we could see him this season? Uh, there's a possibility about that because, uh, again, Charlie made a good point. Wow, running theme here. Uh, but and, and so did Maddie. again, another running theme, that there, if, if Cam York is signing the ELC, there's a good chance that he gets playing time to burn a year off the ELC this season because uh, the agent could just stand there and threaten and be like, if you don't sign him to an ELC and burn the first year off of it, then we're going back to college. Um, and that's the the handshake agreement that they made when they signed the deal. So there there's a good possibility that we see Cam York for like a good chunk of the games this year. That said... Um, I wouldn't say that it's like a high possibility just because I don't, I, I know Maddie is really high on him and she thinks that he can be a like high end second pair borderline first pair guy. Um, I don't like him and I, Ooh. I liked the oh, pick. Shots fired. I liked the pick at the time, but just there are a lot of people that I trust. Um, and then also my own eye test watching a lot of Michigan this year where I just, I look at him and I'm like, man, this dude, he has some worrying stuff about him. Um, and I, I think he's a prospect where he could be very good. He could be like a high end second pair dude still. That's kind of where I am on him is like, he'll be a decent to good second pair defenseman, but he's going to take a little longer to develop, um, IMO because, I just, the the things that I watch that concern me about him are like, he took a while in the NCAA to get up to processing speed um, on a good Michigan team. Like the first year he was there, Michigan was not that good, but this year even like he got better as the year went on, but there were, there were a lot of plays where I was seeing him and it was just like, he was a little too hesitant. And then he, it's, it's just he needs to flip a switch and be more aggressive. It's much more of that Braden Coburn kind of thing where it's like, you see the talent is there and the hockey IQ is clearly there. It's just an aggression thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And he has all the tools to be a really good offensive defenseman, but he just doesn't use them all the time. He doesn't take aggressive gaps. He's not a guy who's going to win with like strength or stick work all the time. He just needs to be smart with his gaps, play good fundamental defense, um, body guys out to the edges, and be be sound in his positioning make sure that he's marking his man correctly and like there were just too many times this year where i was watching him and it would be the same mistakes over and over again um i didn't watch a lot of him late in the season i I maybe caught only one or two games because that's kind of when i was starting to jump into the whl but uh that's that's kind of where i stand on camuel and uh I, I don't know. It'll be fun to see him in the AHL with all of these really cool kids. Uh, like, uh, I think 
Uh, Tyson Forster had a four-point night tonight uh, against the Bears and two goals, two assists, and he's been playing great since he's gotten there, nine points in 11 games um, as a draftee. And then Zade Wisdom obviously has been going bonkers. Tanner Wazinski is really fun. So, like, are any of these dudes, like, franchise-altering building blocks? Probably not, but they're going to be nice pieces in the future, and they could potentially help reload the bottom of the roster if, say, you do decide to blow it up and trade some assets right now. So I mean, you always need bottom of the roster guys, and I I much prefer to see guys come in through that pipeline than, say, a Dale Vise or something like that. No more Dutch Gretzkys, thank you very much. I, I just, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing, like, I, again, I would hope that they're not burning a year off of York's ELC, but I have a feeling that's going to happen. That was part of the deal. And, uh, I, I mean, he can't be worse than Eric Gustafson, right? Or Nate Prosser. Oh my God. Like it's, I, you would it's think, hard to imagine. You, uh, now I that I've know, put man. that out there, that's a monkey's paw type thing. Yeah, that's the theme. The continuing theme of the season is the monkey's paw continues to to close. Every time we have a wish, it just comes up with a a worse version of what we wanted. Ah, it's it's so sad. I mean, at this point, the Phantoms are way more exciting than the Flyers. I'm about to just start watching the Phantoms exclusively. Uh, This is now Phantperbole, and we're just doing Phantoms talk from now on. So uh, enjoy. Yeah, I. I, I kind of contributed to the whole monkey's paw thing by titling my preview of the Sabres game that they just lost. Can it get any worse? <laughs> yes, it could. Yes, it could. Yeah, you're just asking for the Ron Howard style narration to come in and just say, it could. Yeah, just arrested development over the top. Yeah, which, I mean, this season is basically arrested development. It's It's just, it's a frustrating one. Thanks for joining me today, man. This is a good time. Thank you for coming on uh, to talk about this just abysmal team that makes us so sad. And uh, I'm running out of words to to describe this nonsense. Pitiful, pathetic, disappointing, depressing, soul-crushing. All all applicable. Soul-crushing is a very good one. Eamon, if people would like to follow you on Twitter, where can they follow you? All right. So here's here's the tricky part. My handle is a little interesting. So it is <laughs> it is like the Snoop Dogg classic hit gin and juice, but instead of juice being spelled normally, it is spelled J U U S E. So that is G I N and J U U S E in reference to Yusei Saros, who is the Nashville Predators starting goaltender. Uh and then also follow all of my work on a Broadtree Hockey, obviously. Excellent. Gin and Yusey, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, don't worry, I'm going to link to it, so it's fine. It's totally fine. It's no Philadelphia 1, but it'll do. It's, uh, yeah, definitely follow Eamon. Uh, you can follow me at Flyperbole or at Estebaum, but if it's hockey, make it Flyperbole. Estebaum's not used too much for that kind of stuff. Uh, follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey. Be sure to listen to all of our fantastic podcast offerings on Broad Street Hockey. There's so many of them, and they are all Oh, so good. Uh, Congratulations to BSH Radio, by the way, on their 300th episode. Oh, wow. Great accomplishment for them. And here's to 300 more, folks. All right. That is all I got for you. And it was plenty. Until next time, continue to wear that damn mask until the CDC says otherwise. It's not hard. Just please do it for the love of God. And in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey.
Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from 0 to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple spotify youtube and everywhere you get your podcasts go astros our house is a mess come on in i'm amber wallen internet comedian plant queen and host of your new favorite podcast fly on the wall okay that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast by the way like come on amber anyway that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband and co-host benjamin wallen also a comedian and i host people at our home i have a great wine collection in my cellar well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge it's a mini it's fr- a mini yeah. fridge new episodes of fly on the wallen drop every wednesday listen in as we discuss relationships books and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet subscribe to fly on the wallen wherever you get your podcast Yes.